Is that an electric cigarette? It is. It's awful. <laughs> There's nothing good about it. It's June the 19th, 2013. <laughs> this is the 508 show. My name is Michael Benedetti. This is Brendan Melikin. How are you? <laughs> Nicotine withdrawal sufferer. How six, are you? Six days in, man. Good job. No cigarettes. Good job. Just nicotine, though, right? So have I actually accomplished anything other than sucking on some sort of electronic device that's just impregnating my lungs with nicotine? No. That's all I've got. It's sweet, though. It's kind of cooler than a cigarette. It is. It's, well, and, is it's arguably healthier, right? I mean, there's no smoke involved, so that's, okay. a, that's a nice thing. It's just water vapor and yeah. nicotine. And nicotine's not a terrible drug. There are worse things for you. Sure. Like meth. You know, I mean, that's... Sure. Yeah. Do they have some sort of e-meth device? Not yet. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody's working on it, though. That's, uh... We'll get there eventually. So it's been a long time, Brandon. It has been a while. How have you been? I've been okay. Um, since the last show, many things have happened in the city of Worcester, so we're only going to talk about a couple of topics. By the way, this is the 508 show. It's a weekly show. We try to make it a weekly show, at least, where we talk about what's going on in Worcester. From a certain opinionated point of view, we bring you different perspectives. And athletics. And athletics. And we try to not be uh, condescending to you, the viewer. And we, try, and we try not to be boring to you, the viewer, but we are kind of saying to each other, this is true. A lot of things have been going on, we're only going to talk about some of them. We're going to talk about slot machines, we're going to talk about panhandling, we're going to talk about youth documentaries, we're going to talk about buying the telegram, we're going to talk about open meeting law, we're going to talk about questions for city council candidates. You know what I want to talk about first? What's youth, that? youth documentaries, because it's game. completely different than these other subjects. One of the best things that I saw this this so far this June is these youth documentaries. Mm-hmm. These kids are in a program called Insight, where they might be in a program called Spit It. Mm-hmm. That's part of an organization called Insight. All right. A lot of acronyms. Not a fan. Not a fan. Me neither. But I'm a fan of these videos. I went to go see these videos. They had a premiere at Clark the other day, mm-hmm. world premiere. These are like four 10-minute long videos. One of them is about emigrating from Burma to Worcester. Mm-hmm. One of them is about body image in teenage girls. Okay. The documentary makers, teenage girls. Mm-hmm. One of them is about trying to become like a successful hip-hop guy. Yep. One of them is about being a homeless youth in Worcester. Well, where can I see these documentaries? You can't see them. All right, then. First of all, these were great documentaries. These <laughs> can were you like, tell me about them? They were good. I can tell you about them, which is that they were good. Mm-hmm. I have to say, it's hard enough to... It's easy to start making a video... As all of us who make videos know, there's plenty of undone videos on my hard drive. Mm. It's hard to finish a video. As Steve Jobs said, real artists ship. Yeah. So I have tremendous respect for anyone who even makes a bad video mm-hmm. because a finished bad video has more value than an unfinished good video or great video. These were good These were good videos by these kids. I was super impressed. Usually I go to these things just out of curiosity or mm-hmm. to try to support these kind of groups. This time it was t- total pleasure to watch them. Yeah. All the time. This happened with um, uh, Ciclo Vita, which we talked to Matt Feinstein yeah. about on this show, where you make these videos and then you're like, I want to get them on this festival circuit. I want to somehow, in my opinion, pretend it's 1985 and embargo them from YouTube and not run them on cable access and do all this, do this whole process. I don't know anything about nonprofit filmmaking. I know something about no profit filmmaking, but not mm-hmm. nonprofit filmmaking. Maybe this makes sense. So what what is the festival circuit that these are hitting? That uh, where can I, I catch those? I don't know. Apparently they're they're having some sort of thing in D- Detroit. Maybe this weekend. That doesn't work for me. Chicago this weekend or something? Yeah, it doesn't. I'm not going to be there either. Well, these people are going to get to see them. People in Worcester who didn't see them are not going to get well, to see them. Well, documentary filmmakers who are embargoing your documentary films, when you stop embargoing them, let us know because we'd like to see them. I would love to run them on this show, yeah. honestly. But you know what? Embargo. Anyway, 
One thing that these documentaries, these documentaries were very polished. One thing they didn't have. If any people on the Insight program are watching this now, mm -hmm. I'm going to show you something. The fundamental tool, tool of the nonfiction filmmaker. Get us. The whip pan. Nice. The entire audience just vomited. <laughs> that is that is a powerful tool right there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brendan. Michael. What? What? When are the? What's going on with the slot machine debate? Is there going to be a big slot parlor on a? On uh, down by Kelly Square. As best as we can tell, there is not going to be a giant slot parlor down in Kelly Square. There's going to be a big hole in the ground. What happened? What happened longer. with the slot parlor? It fell apart. Well, it sounded like it, it's well, you know, it, it, to be from what was in the press, it sounded like between uh, the potential asks the city was making and mm -hmm. the share of profits that automatically get pushed to the state, there was not a lot of value in uh, seeking Worcester as a home base for the slots parlor. But these guys, why did they even start this process? I mean, yeah, I think depending on who you talk to, it had more to do with uh, trying to lure a hotel developer downtown than anything. Um, you mean uh, for, from the city's perspective or from the casino's perspective? From the city's perspective. That the idea that if we could get this hotel in, uh, work, this hotel developer working in conjunction with Rush Street Gaming, uh -huh. that it would be a win for the city, uh, however people, uh, however things went. But and then the city wouldn't be so demanding of the casino project? I don't know. I wasn't invited to those meetings, man. It's All so mysterious. All I know is there's no slot parlor. It kind of fell apart over, like, it seemed like it fell apart over about a week period, too, didn't it? More like a weekend, it seemed like. Yeah, like <laughs> like a long weekend. It was they were like, they were like, initially they were like, I don't even remember the order. Initially they were like, well, there's not going to be a hotel, so. Mm -hmm. And then everybody was like, wait a second, why are we going to go through this whole process of voting on a slot in the heart? Like, how does that make any sense? And then they were like, oh, and also, like, the organization, the, the, the casino developer guys were not going to. I guess give the city some money up front to hire for the city to hire their own negotiator. Consultants, yeah, we were bringing consultants, which is going to be part of the deal. The deal and, and that's sort of the. But then it didn't. It wasn't just like a here's a press release. It's done. It like it dragged itself out over mm -hmm. four or five days. Well, the interesting thing is to see whether or not uh, that has you know. It, that so much attention was placed on that parcel for the first time in so long now. You know, it seems like every three months or so you'll get a little story in the Telegram how they're still not returning our phone calls like, yeah. in terms of uh, sale for development potential. It'll be nice to see if a little bit more focus gets put on that parcel now for development. It's still a key parcel of land. I mean, how many cities have that kind of acreage in the heart of their, their downtown areas? Hopefully something good comes of this. Connie Luke's, Connie, Councilor Connie Lukes filed, a, filed a, a, a thing with the city council requesting that uh, that the city administration look into crowdsourcing solutions mm. for this. <laughs> and but, but Bizarro Luke's the great Twitterer pointed out that when uh, Connie interviewed Nicole Apostola for mm -hmm. Connie's cable access show a few years ago, Nicole talked to her about what crowdsourcing was. Mm. Well, I, that, that's that that. <laughs> what the heck is going on? That's an interesting thing, though, because it, it would. I'd be curious to find out whether or not Connie Luke's realizes that if you put things out uh, in the general sphere of, of influence uh, that people might not agree with you you know that that's an important thing like if we crowdsourced ideas about say uh, you know what what f food offerings should be like in Worcester yeah. you'd probably find a lot of people disagreeing with Connie about say food trucks right like if you crowdsourced ideas about uh, you know animal control and whatnot you right. probably wouldn't find a lot of fans of uh, dangerous dog bands and whatnot so while I think it's a great idea, I, I think the, the source is kind of interesting because it seems like the per, the one it's coming from the one person who oftentimes uh, is most in disagreement with what the general public is actually interested in seeing That's happen. A good point. Also, I feel like crowds. I feel like crowdsourcing is part of many. This kind of crowdsourcing is already part of the procedure. It's like public hearings. Sure. Or crowdsourcing. Like well, there's like crowdsourcing something which involves I don't know data analysis or entering numbers into something. 
or people sharing photos of something or whatever, that's like a new thing. Crowdsourcing mm-hmm. in terms of getting a bunch of people to pass you ideas is as old as like people standing around in the public square talking. And the bigger problem with that too is that whatever our wish list for that parcel of land is has zero impact on what an actual developer with actual capital is willing to do. You know, I mean, like, there's plenty, it's easy to pull great ideas out of your ass for that sort of thing. You're like, okay, here's one. Let's bring in the New England Revolution and have a soccer stadium there for the New England Revolution who needs a new home instead of sending them to Revere. Like, Revere can have have, have, uh, the casino, we'll get the revolution. Done. Perfect site. But you, know, you still need Bob Kraft to send the New England Revolution here, right? right? So it's a little bit more complicated than just throwing out an idea. Hmm. But at hmm. least or so I'm told. I mean, it is possible that economic development is that easy, but I don't think it is. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Much in common with most of the other people in the city of Worcester. I don't know anything about it. Well, no, making it all up. Well, so let's talk about uh, panhandling for a second. All right. So, you know, Worcester passed this anti-panhandling ordinance, mm-hmm. and... They were warned from the very beginning by the ACLU. Nice city. Shame if somebody sued it. Sure enough, the ACLU sued the city of Worcester. Their initial thing was to apply for a temporary injunction against the city enforcing this because of this feeling that it violated different constitutional things. Things that are in the Constitution. What do you call those? Rights. Rights. Yeah. And um, it, I can see this argument because it's a lot broader than you might think for mm-hmm. an anti-panhandling ordinance. In fact... I think if you've read press coverage, as we've pointed out here before, if you've read press coverage, 90% chance you've read press coverage that does not quite capture the breadth of the restrictions that this ordinance puts on all sorts of activities. Mm-hmm. So, the city and the ACLU went in front of a federal judge, downtown Worcester, mm-hmm. Judge Timothy Hellman. Yes. I think of him as my judge. Your judge. Because when I was... You're just sharing. When I was on trial a few years ago for federal crimes in the city of Worcester, mm-hmm. he was the judge. And also, it worked. You know what? Well, there were two charges against us. One of them guilty. One of them not guilty. Judge Hellman, a wise man, reasonable guy. Honestly, I am guilty half the time. Mm -hmm. So you know, that's the reality. Regardless of what you're doing, always half guilty. That you know, that's how I feel. Anyway, so Judge Hellman is hearing this case. Um, He put a delay on this on this injunction I think maybe this week or next week they're going to go back to court and he'll make some decision but he said in the meantime he really wants the ACLU in the city to talk about this he said I can hook you up with a mediator or something if you want Mm -hmm. that's where we are on that Um, and following this tradition you keep talking I'm going to say hi to somebody the telegrams coverage the telegrams coverage of this and trying to capture the breadth of the uh, anti-panhandling ordinance was kind of bad Worcester Magazines was worse this anti-paneling ordinance is such a complicated and crazy thing. I'm not even going to attempt to get into the details on this show because we've spent hours on this show, I think, attempting to explain all the details. It's worth reading. It's online. Um, Brendan is talking to some people across the street who have a dog. Um, we can talk about uh, open meeting law violations also, just discussing weird procedures of, of things from the city. So uh, Kevin Cassin and Nicole Apostola, who have been on this show plenty of times, filed a complaint with the state attorney general over a variety of things that they felt were the city council violating state open meeting law. I wanted to talk about open meeting law a little bit. And um, the state attorney general came back with a letter this week to the city, or maybe last week to the city, saying a lot of these complaints are not really violations of open meeting law, but one of them is at least in uh, a bad area. And that that is this thing where 
the city the city councilors somehow get together, whether it's by a series of emails or a series of phone mm -hmm. calls, and decide to co-sponsor something. And the first time that it appears on the agenda, it has like all these different names signed up to it. Sure. Now this requires some sort of discussion amongst, you know, even potentially a majority of city councilors outside of a city council meeting about things in front of them, which as I understand it is exactly the reason we have open meeting law to prevent yeah. this stuff. That the reason they have these meetings and the reason the meeting is public and it's on television and it's in a place that you can go and sit down and watch is because they're not supposed to be doing things behind closed doors. Occasionally right. they have sessions that certain specific things they discuss behind closed doors, but 99% of the time it's all out in the open, it's on television, it's on the radio. Is it still on the radio these days? I don't think it is on the radio. All right. Well, it's on, it's on a lot of different forms it's, of media. It's on the internet. <laughs> it's on the internet. So, But that is why this is important, right? And, and I'm really, really happy that we have people uh, in the city that are, are interested in keeping an eye on what other folks might just disregard as minutiae and whatnot. That yeah. isn't. But like, that's actually a really important ruling because it's one of the areas where open meeting law was never really touched upon in terms of technology. Right, I mean, like, and it, it, the, the ruling is very simple, I think, when you read it. It's a quorum is a quorum is a quorum. Mm -hmm. If that quorum occurs via email, it's still a quorum. If it right. happens via Skype or, you know, a, a Google Hangout, it's still a quorum. Uh, and, you know, th there are some things there that I think even the council wasn't trying to skirt around, but just had never actually stopped to think, like, wow, what we're doing here is forming right. a quorum uh, because the law wasn't necessarily written in a way to uh, capture technology or advancements in technology. Right. Yeah. So it seems like the upshot of this will be that if you want to introduce an item in your city councilor and you want to have co-signers, co-sponsors on this item, it might be the kind of thing where, like, I don't like even understand exactly how the communication would work here. Like, the city clerk maybe would say, anybody who wants to co-sponsor any item, <laughs> send me an email because I'm not a city councilor, and when I put out the agenda, it will have... Well, so the names on, or no, maybe not even have the names on the agenda. Maybe they'll you'll find out at the meeting who who wants to co-sponsor. Yeah, I mean, the way it was written, was, I, I hope someone corrects me if I'm wrong, uh, but that it was if you're sending out a group email and there's a quorum involved in that group email, then that would be a violation right. of the meeting law. If you send individual emails, you could get a response to those emails, and just as long as they're not all tied together, then it wouldn't be a quorum. What if those emails are all public? Hmm? What if those e communications are all public? Well, technically everything is public, right? If you have notes or whatnot, just as long as they're not personal, that would be public as well, too. So even if you mailed okay. someone a letter and it was an, an, a deal concerning official business, that would still be public. So if a city, I'm just thinking like, so if a, I mean, like, obviously city councilors come on, you know, broadcast media like the Jordan Levy Show or mm -hmm. this program and talk about things. That's obviously not a violation of some kind of open meeting law because they're not, even though they're just... how many of them are there and what they're discussing. Oh. So, I mean, and I think someone mentioned uh, offline regarding this, too, that, you know, so subcommittees are where this becomes important because you could actually have a, a quorum of a subcommittee, which might only be two people. And, ah. you know, those two people could find themselves on, like, the Jordan Levy show, and if they're discussing matters of policy or upcoming events, then they could actually be violating open meeting law. So you got to be careful. You do have to be careful. Do these things in or at public. Least be at thoughtful. Be thoughtful. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Worcester City Council. Be thoughtful. According to the Worcester Telegram and Gazette, there's eight people, there's eight groups that are interested in buying the Telegram and Gazette and the Globe. It's a lot the, of groups. New York Times, you know what's on there, Brendan? Nine groups. Nice. I got $7 cash. There's no going to be no financing issues, no debt issues. I get nothing, though. The 508 group. <laughs> We're ready. Anyway, so the, it's very, it's very, it seems like it's likely. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's likely or not. It's likely that the Telegram and Gazette and the Globe will be sold around the end of the month. 
I wish that they would separate the. I, I know there's more value in the New England Media Group as a as a group of properties, but I really yes. wish they would break up the Telegram again and treat it as an individual property. It would be kind of cool if local people owned the Telegram. It would be very cool if local people. Then you would the know telegram. who to be angry at. You could go to their homes. Oh man, can I? Can we talk more about panhandling stuff for a second? Sure. Because I want to sort of talk about. Because you walked off in the middle of that panhandling sorry, discussion. Was, That's okay. Or, or, or actually, I should from say, say slot machines. Climbing gym. Oh really? Yeah. I should say, say, say slot machines. We talk about slot machines for a second. All right. So. Whenever this thing happened and the whole deal fell apart, I was emailing with somebody and I was like, you know, I feel like we kind of, we kind of hinted that this might happen on 508. Yeah. And he, he emailed me back and was like, no, you guys never did that. You guys actually were just like, if these guys want it to happen, it's going to happen. They have so much money. There'll be a fight, but yeah. it's going to happen. So we actually were not right about that. But you know, one thing I think we were right about. Well, I mean, I, I still think that's, that's ultimately the argument though, right? I mean, <clears throat> there was more than enough money there. If they wanted it to happen, it would have happened. It just wasn't worth their while from a financial perspective. Let me say this, though. I think the argument is, if anyone actually believes that the city of Worcester beat this back, then they're missing the point entirely. My feeling is, and I said this previously on the show, that I felt like they were really half-assing this thing. Mm-hmm. That, like, everything, except for some of the aspects of their web design, their graphic design, all, everything that they did was kind of half-assed. Their presentation yes. in the city was kind of half-assed. They hadn't fully committed Even ever to this Even from their project. communication to their own consultants was, was phoned in. Yeah. I well, mean, that's what I want to talk about. Okay. So... If people have a conversation in a coffee shop in the city mm-hmm. of Worcester and it gets overheard, I think we should treat that as a private conversation. I think that's fine. I don't want people being like, oh, I was down at Acoustic Java and Mike Benedetti and George Clooney were there and Mike yeah. was complaining about George to George about having too much money and too many women and George mm-hmm. was giving Mike advice on this. And That wouldn't be right. Let's pretend that it's private because we're trying to coexist at these coffee shops. Mm-hmm. But i got to talk about this conversation, not in details. I was at a Worcester coffee shop. This was the afternoon that the deal, this was before the press release came out saying that the deal had officially fallen apart, mm-hmm. but this was like the afternoon that we knew it was going to fall apart. And two ex-politicians who were consultants on this thing mm-hmm. were sitting there and they're like complaining back and forth to each other super loud in this coffee shop mm-hmm. about how this deal had fallen apart. you're in a coffee shop, I mean, you wouldn't, we'd never expect that someone might be there listening to your conversation and recognize you as a former politician who's now working as a consultant for something as controversial as, say, a slots parlor. And then they pick up the phone, and super, super loud, they're like, let me tell you where it all went wrong, blah, 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 blah. This is all I'm going to say, even to the point of who to hire as consultants, half-assed, mm-hmm. ill-thought-out, amateur, well, amateur hour. And, and I think that, but that's ultimately the point, right? I mean, it is one of those industries that there is so much money there. If they wanted to get their way, they would have gotten their way. But I think you're They would actually, have hired better consultants, more professional consultants. I think you're exactly right, though, when you say that they, they phoned in the whole whole project. I mean, there's, there's four locations, uh, one of which is going to get a slots parlor. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, for business-minded folks, uh, their concerns is not like Worcester is the ideal location right. for a slots parlor. It's where the, the most money to be made is. Mm. And, and at this moment in time, Worcester wasn't it for a number of reasons. You know, I think the biggest one is still that the state is taking almost, was it over 50% of your revenue uh, leaves? Is hmm. a, was it, or is it 49? I don't Whatever. know. Whatever. It was a high number of, of uh, proceeds or, or revenue, right. net revenue that goes straight to the, the state. It's a tough deal to make work. Worcester didn't make it work. I'm cool with that. Whatever. It's I kind of like our hole in the ground. It's charming. <laughs> well, the collapse of this last deal puts us in a puts us in a difficult position, which is that we're trying to formulate these questions. Which are, it's a it's a game changer for us because we're trying to formulate these questions. Because we want to know, in your opinion and in our opinion, what issues do you want candidates to be talking about as they run for office this fall? 
in the Worcester City Council election. I still think we should be asking them, though, whether or not they're in favor of the slots problem. I want to. F- I will. I would like to find the one candidate or potential candidate or can- candidate who actually would now now be coming out in favor of the slots parlor. <laughs> now that it's all yeah. Say it would have it would have been great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, here so here were here were our questions just to review these. Is Worcester a sustainable city? I like that question. What is your personal vision for the city? Who's your favorite character on the wire? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your lifetime maximum push-ups? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you carry every day? Mm-hmm. EDC. Um, uh, a question about urban farming and a broader regulation question. Did I already say that? that was nope. Yeah, yeah, um, I think we did. did and then say, yeah. some economic development question. And our idea was that we would ask about the slot thing mm-hmm. as a way of opening it up to economic development. That if they say, I don't like the idea, saying, what, what, do, you, what do you see for economic development in Worcester? What's the role of the council mm-hmm. on that? You think we should still ask this? Are you serious? I will. I'm half serious because I, I think it's, it would actually be one, interesting to see if there would be someone who would actually come out in favor of it after the fact now. I mean, there may, maybe that's an easy one for people to come out in favor of now that there's nothing attached to it. But, um, yeah, I think that that's an interesting way of opening the door to a bigger question, which is more of a philosophical question, is how do you view economic development in the city of Worcester? <coughs> what aspects of economic development are important to you? And what's, again, it's more of a visionary sort of question. And okay. That's a great starting point uh, for, you know, what people think is a viable business model uh, for Worcester moving forward. Hmm. I mean, it was a very contentious, uh, you know, biz- uh, uh, business model that would be potentially coming into the city, uh, potentially game-changing. Be interested to see what somebody's thoughts are and using that as a launching pad for a bigger conversation about economic development. Can we use the phrase game changer in that question somehow? Uh, yeah, but I think we needed to use it with more uh, more emphasis, uh, more emotion tied to it. A game changer. Like yeah, that. we need to. You'd probably need to develop some sort of like WWE style wrestling persona to, uh, to use do that they phrase. Use, do they use game changer on wrestling? Sure, you can find a wrestler who does. Maybe we can do like a dub after afterwards. We don't like that or anything. Do they talk about solutioneering? Do they talk about <laughs> breast to breed solutions? <laughs> that I don't know. Okay. Um, here's a question that uh, Carl uh, uh, said actually might be a possible question. Uh, do the children in your life plan to live in Worcester when they grow up? Huh. It's kind of an interesting question. It is. Um, I actually kind of like that one. I, don't I do know. Too. What do you think about that? No, I think that's good because, you know... Yeah. Yes. No, I think that is a, a solid question to ask. I think there's 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 two groups of people who reside in Worcester. There are people who were born here, and people who came here for a specific reason and yes. chose to stay. And I'm always fascinated to find out what uh, those two different groups of people actually see in the city and why they continue to stay here. Hmm. That is interesting. I think that's that's also one of those questions where it lets people talk about family or it lets people talk about social ties or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in the context of like yeah. that bigger question. Do the children in your life plan to stay in Worcester? Um, a little bit young. Up? I don't know. I, I, my, my son is eight, so yes. I, don't, I don't know if he's he's really you thought that far You don't have advanced. a sense. He's probably still worried about the weekend. I don't know that he's he's given too much thought to you know what's going to happen 10, 20 years from now. I have to say, the, the children in my life historically have wanted to live in Worcester and have been lived in Worcester when they got older. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. I have no. I would have no problem with my son staying here. I just would want to push him away for a while. Uh, one, so I could regain a little bit of my sanity, uh, and two, just because I think it is important that you do experience something else, which is why I was saying I'm always I'm more interested in the people who come to Worcester for a reason and stay yeah. than the, the psychology of the people who just stay here. Staying someplace is pretty easy. Right? I mean, it, it's a, it's a pretty low effort sort of uh, model of life for life. Right? I'm just, just going to stay. I'm not going to not going to move or anything. 
I've talked to moving more... someplace, staying there. That's that's big. Knowing what's behind you, knowing what else is out there, and then choosing to stay here. It's a big thing. I've talked to more people the last couple of weeks about coming to Worcester. Mm-hmm. New people come to Worcester. <clears throat> we just, um, you know, we were just at Start on the Street, the big arts festival, showing off yes. that little 3D model of the Turtle Boy. And a couple of people, I was like, "Are you a Worcester person?" And they're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Oh, cool. Like, how, you know, you, you've been to Start before?" And they would be like, "You know, no, I haven't been here before." But I thought I want to get out and see more about the city this summer. Mm-hmm. I want to learn more about the city this summer. Or even people who aren't Worcester people who just came to the city who yeah. were just like, "I want to find out what's going on." I'm going to go to start on the street. I've been talking to all, people in all kinds of situations about coming to Worcester. Yeah, people it, find it a hard nut to crack still. If we're talking about elected officials, uh, people who want to represent the city, asking them a simple question, you know, it would probably be two parts. Do your children, if you have them, or young people around you, do you expect them to stay here? And then, if so, why? You know, it's, again, because it's easy just to say, I'm here, might as well stay. Right. Uh, but there's probably a bigger question that's worth tapping into as to, like, why would you want them to stay here? I think we should keep talking more about this question we've talked about in the past. Of, well, have we actually had anyone sign up for slots to be interviewed for this yet? We've got plenty of time. We might Sarai, not actually have Sarai Rivera on. is going to come on. Councillor Rivera from District Four is going to come you, on. I mean, that's she's not she's running on a post, so she doesn't have any skin in the game really. She's just going to arm wrestle you she's and throttle you, and she'll. T- <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, man. All right. I've been working out. Um, people will. Anybody who's running for office, anybody who's managing a candidate, contact us. Mm-hmm. I haven't even tried to contact people well, yet. Especially with the other, I mean, we're focused mostly on uh, city council race, uh, the city council race, but it's, it, you know, it would be important, I think, to try and tap into the um, uh, former Rep uh, Frizzolo's seat. Um, I mean, it's escaping me what number of representative district it is yes. now, but, you know, Grafton Hill down to Quinzig Village. Uh, there's a lot of people in that race. Uh, six, I believe, was the last is count. Is he running? I have, I have not seen it. That came well, up last week, I know. was paper that said he might run. Yeah, he might, but I haven't seen any actual confirmation right. of that. But there's still a lot of people in that race. I don't think okay. it's going to end up being six come election day, but whatever number it is, it's an important race. It's a state rep race, and we should probably try and get some of those folks on as well, too. Do you think state rep races fall under the purview of 508? Uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. There is no more, especially that one, because it's all, it's all, they're all Worcester. So all right. That's an, an all Worcester seat. All right. Well, yeah. it, state rep people, city council people, you should come on the show. Our battery's going to die. I'm Michael Benedetti. This is Brendan Melican. Thanks Pleasure. for watching 508. Soccer people. Talk to you later.